Is, uh, well, apparently not. You have Robert on every week, but you don't have me on every week. So. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 193 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. It's Saturday, the 25th of November. I hope you've had a great week, especially if you're in the US and enjoying a Thanksgiving holiday. I'm your host, Ian Trusker. I'm a three-time CMO and marketing consultant. And in this weekly podcast, I aim to share the marketing street knowledge that I hope will inspire your inner rock star with the help of chums I've met on my journey from sysadmin to CMO. Come say hello. You can find links to me and my guests in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com along with our blog and newsletter. This week, I welcome back the Content Advisory's Chief Problem Solver and Lead Analyst, Kathy McKnight, for a chat about some research they've published on AI, and the AI chat continues in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar, and I'm joined by my chum and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, who shares his thoughts over a cocktail. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Right, time to go backstage with my guest. If you're a regular listener, you'll be familiar with Kathy McKnight, the content advisor's chief problem solver and lead analyst who's been a regular on the show and has over 20 years of global experience and expertise in content strategy, content operations, customer experience, and related technology. Welcome back, Kathy, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you, my friend? I am very well, Ian. Nice to talk to you and see your face. Yes. Yes. And um, do we tell the listeners that you can see my face? I can't see yours because you've got some <laughs> bandwidth problems. Uh, you know, you'd think by 2023 that bandwidth <laughs> and Wi-Fi would, would not be a challenge really anywhere in the world. But alas, of course, because we are recording this, my yes. Wi-Fi decided to be all kludgy today. <laughs> and um well the nice thing is is we know what each other look like because uh, we are you've been a regular guest on the show and i don't record video anyway so audio is great so it's like the old school days of using the telephone <laughs> we're going retro all right. retro all right so i just refer to the fact that you've been on the show a number of times i think you were last on the show on episode 173 which before we chatted, I was surprised by it because that's quite a long time ago. So apologies for that, Kathy, because I do enjoy your company. So um, welcome back. But Thank you very don't... much. Happy to be here. <laughs> for people that don't know you, Kathy, tell us a little, about, a little bit about yourself. So I am the chief problem solver with the content advisory. We are a all things content 
organization, strategy, operations, uh, content orchestration, very much focused. My part of sort of where I dig in is very much about the content orchestration and how, you know, from a maturity model, you got to move from just the operations and, and GSD. Can we say get shit done? You can, you can edit yep. me out if you're not allowed to say that. No, um, no, no To really, really, you know, moving into an area where helping organizations move into where content is a strategic function of the business. So I'm super stoked about that, doing a lot of research and, and talking and writing on that. Yeah, splendid. Yeah, um, the profanity on this show, um, it reminds me of when um, I, took my, I took one of my daughters to football once and uh, I was thinking, oh my God, the other people, what if she, what she hears all the swearing of the, of the crowd and the other people. And of course, who was the first person she heard swearing? It was, it was me. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's the way this show goes as well so you got in there before i did kathy so well done <laughs> so, so you so as as chief problem solver, solver you get shit done and of course the content advisory is a very familiar organization to our listeners because robert is on the show every week um uh, your colleague robert bose um, but you guys have recently, the reason that I had you on, the, I wanted to have you back on the show, not just because um, I would have you back on the show every week, obviously, Kathy, because we're chums. <laughs> is, uh, well, apparently not. Have... You have Robert on every week, but you don't have me on every week. So. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I, I walked myself right into that, didn't I? Um, you yes. totally did. I couldn't let it go. <laughs> well, um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know how to get out of that, but... Um, and I won't edit any of this. You, you, I'll let the listener listen to my discomfort. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you guys have recently published some research on the marketer's relationship with AI. And I, I love the cleverness of this title because it's, are you ready to get ready for AI? Which suggests that it's not just, are you ready for AI? But are you ready to get ready for AI? So tell, it, tell us a bit about that report. I mean, I think uh, I, it, many of us, many of your network were involved in the research and we filled in a, a, a survey and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but tell us a bit about why you did the research and what the background is to it and who you had involved and all that kind of good stuff. So Robert and I, with the, the clients that we work with, we're mm -hmm. often, one of the common questions we get is where do we start? And we're finding this across mm -hmm. the board with AI as well. Every organization we're working with, regardless of what we're working on them with, whether it's a content strategy or orchestration, if we're doing research, whatever it is, they're like, okay, what about AI? What do we need to do with AI? How mm -hmm. do we use it, et cetera, et cetera. So our position on the where do we start question isn't a matter of where you start. It's about starting. And in order to start, you've got to have a strategy. You've got to know exactly where you're headed, at least, you may not know where you end up, but having that strategy to support them or support your, your direction and the decision-making is really important. So what we're finding with AI was the same thing, is people were looking at this as a question of technology, that this was a technology mm -hmm. problem, and it's mm -hmm. not. It's a strategy problem. It's a challenge that needs to be addressed through a clear content strategy and then seeing where the Gen AI factor and AI in general slides into that uh, strategy. Right, right, cool. So that was the premise of why you did the research. And then who did you speak to? You spoke to marketers about this, marketing leaders? 
We did. So we sent out yeah. uh, the the survey to whomever wanted to respond to it, and we mm-hmm. we had uh, companies super large, you know, mm-hmm. enterprise respondents through to um, small with fewer than a hundred employees. They we had CMOs, we had directors of content, we had IT people. There was really a cross function. Um, uh, response rate, mostly yeah. marketers, because of course that's our our, our sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we were really, you know, we were flattered by the the response because people really picked up on it and and took the time mm. to complete the survey. Well, that's a hot topic, isn't it? And I don't mean hot topic just in terms of. I mean, it's obviously a hot topic because of what's in the news and all that kind of stuff. But it is a hot topic on a deeper level isn't it in the way that we we're thinking about how we how we work and it's something we all need to consider it's not something that's just going to go away like i don't know some new social media channel or something like that it's a serious thing that we all need to think about isn't it oh it's here to stay for sure yeah absolutely absolutely so you did the research um and um, I, I actually got it through email. Is it something that's a very, I mean, I'll, I'll add links to it in the, in the um, show notes and stuff like that. But it's, is it something that's available on your website currently? It is. So we, okay, cool. we gave those who responded uh, the, the heads up. We gave them the yeah. sneak peek. And it is yeah. now available from um, uh, contentadvisory.net. Cool. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. Right. So you've got this report. I've read the report. It's very interesting. Um, but one, there's a couple of parts to this that I think I've, I wanted to dig in with with you, having had that sort of experience of doing this research. There's a lot of um, negativity around um, AI at the moment, and I'll let other people talk about that. You know, the potential sort of job losses. My my own daughter has just um, finished a degree in illustration, and so she's worried about what generative AI will do for the you know, for the illustration industry or whatever you call that industry, right? For the creative industry as a whole. But if we move, if we start with the positive, the opportunity um, in the research that you've done, the client work, what, do you, what, are, what are folks seeing as the opportunity for generative AI right now? As far as use cases, it's really mm. all over the place. We're, we, we found through the research that there is a, a wide breadth of mm. where people can see Gen AI, Gen AI adding value. So the biggest one was um, summarizing research, right? Pro- providing insights. So putting a big report into um, an AI function, an open AI function, and then saying, you know, provide me the top five uh, takeaways from this report, or mm-hmm. what are the out- outside trends or, or that kind of thing. And iterative content is another big one where, you put in something and say, okay, create five LinkedIn posts based mm. on this, you know, piece of content or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. think that's, th- those are early and easy um, yeah. elements that you can use AI for and you can easily validate them. One of the things that we found through our research and some of the additional research that I did for Salesforce, uh, finished up a paper with them as well on this, is that um, people are losing sight or, or, or don't necessarily think about the fact that AI, while amazing, is not the be-all, end-all, right? Mm. There are certain things that it can't do, things like originality. It can't check for yeah. quality or accuracy, and it lacks humanity. Yeah. So, you know, 
it's not being, it's not a sentient being. We forget that sometimes. So it can't generate content based on lived experiences and feelings. So that's why we're very clear in the report to say iterative content. This is not creating new content or original content. It has to be iterative based on something that you're providing it. Yeah, I also think that, and I, I think this is a, a point that's probably close to your heart, is, is that if, um, if it, it shifts the focus from the writing of the content to your strategy, doesn't it? And why it is that you're writing content and what it is that you want to do and achieve with the content. Um, now, now the machines are doing the writing, if I make it incredibly simplistic and broad, but... <laughs> Is, is that, I mean, I, I would presume you would go along with that, right, as the content advisory, is that this really puts focus on the strategy of what you're trying to achieve, right? Absolutely. How it yeah. is leveraged, AI in general, so whether it's generative AI, mm-hmm. whether you're looking at AI to understand your audience space. I mean, we've had artificial intelligence in the MarTech stack for a decade, if mm-hmm. not more. Uh, it is one of the pieces I think over our years of working with, with clients and, and looking at their tech stack, it's one of the elements that very few clients use as effectively or efficiently as they can, because again, they don't have a strategy for it. They don't have something that says, okay, let's leverage this here so that we can, as humans, make more time for the innovation, the creativity, the elements that are really where we put the human back into marketing, which is absolutely what it needs and content as well to create those experiences. So from a strategy perspective, organizations need to think about what their content strategy is first Mm -hmm. and define that its goals, its purpose, what's its, you know, uh, messaging architecture, um, how's it going to be structured? And then how do they interject the capabilities and the um, function of in this case, generative AI, to support that? Where is the best place to put it along a defined workflow? So mm-hmm. a, across a process that people understand and follow, because many organizations, again, oh, yeah, we have a workflow, and they really don't. You know, calling, mm-hmm. emailing Emily to get in contact with Bob, to get back to Sue, to get back to Emily, to get back to you is not a workflow. Yeah. Yeah, I... I um... Uh, isn't it i mean it's so often isn't it every every new thing that comes along we're always going back to well asking really why which is which is the answer which your strategy answers right isn't it is why are we doing this how are we going to get it done and it isn't it isn't the the tactic or the new channel or whatever it it just seems to always come around back to that yes yes i mean (laughs) strategy as much as culture eats strategy for breakfast strategy eats eats technology for lunch, right? That's the, that's the order of operation as far as how things should run. <laughs> I really like that. And I actually did a little bit about um, AI on the show last week when I was chatting to Jeff. And um, I, I, I was thinking about what are the things that generative AI can't do for us as content marketers, right? And it was really about, it's a bit like the research you've done, right? AI couldn't have done that research on AI, right? Because um you know you've done original research and that's that's going to be the thing that's kind of become more important isn't it for marketers it's no longer good enough just to have the same old same old opinion that everybody else is churning out you've got to base it on actual research because ai can't do that for you correct correct everything is iterative with ai there's nothing you can't ask it to go and find or create a research 
um, finding. It can do an analysis across different research findings to find the trends and whatnot, but it is only as yeah. good as the information that it's fed, which is another thing that, you know, the, the AI drift that's happening and the hallucinations are actually getting worse, <laughs> not better. The yeah. expectation was that the, the drift would minimize and it's actually yeah. gotten larger. Um, so people need, people and companies need to really think about one, how they're going to use it, but also what are they going to base it on? Are they going to mm. have their own learning model? Is there a, um, a baseline of, of guidance? So when uh, somebody in the organization goes to use it, do you have, do you give them the directive, which I think you should is okay. Mm. So you need to actually give the tool, the content upon which you want the response as opposed to just putting it out there and seeing what yeah. comes back because there's some pretty pretty funky results turning around yeah well i think as well isn't it because the the learning model that it's basing itself on i.e the content that's on the internet is increasingly being created by itself so it's correct uh, you know <laughs> once once the once you've sort of um I don't know, poison the pond, it's going to keep dipping into that same pond, isn't it? And it's going to give you the same poison. So I think it's interesting. The other thing I was thinking about last week, actually, was um, that things like case studies and and true opinion, then those are the places I think we need to go to, right, with our content strategies, really think about that. Because the, the AI and the most important thing as well is our competitors that are using AI won't be able to replicate that stuff either, right? Exactly. That's, yeah. that's a really good point. And one of the things that from a, from a case study perspective, because again, we get the question of, you know, who should own that? Should it be a marketing thing? Should it be a customer um, mm. success team, you know, sales, whatever. And it, it, the answer is all of them, right? You need that contribution yeah. across the board and pulling all of that information in and then feeding that to a Gen AI tool you know, certainly you'll get some really, you could get some, potentially some really cool results, but it's that inclusivity. So stepping back again, I, I sound like a broken record, but stepping back to the strategy yeah. is yeah. when we look at a content strategy, we also have to look at the teams involved and how to source all of the information in order to get the best result. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, we've wandered off of the questions that I we, we, were, we were talking about that we were going to do today. But um, when when I... And that's exactly what I was thinking about about cases, and I also think that they are the they're the gold of content marketing, the gold standard of content marketing, isn't it? As a case study and thing, and the voice of your customer is incredibly important. And again, that's not something that Gen AI is going to be able to do for you, or generative AI is going to be able to do for you. But I do like that idea that you just said that if you've got a whole load of these case studies, one of the things that I think is a good thing to do in content marketing is look through them, look for the themes look for the quotes, look for the stuff that you can then repurpose. But you're suggesting that maybe that's where AI could help us, right, is pull those things out if you've got enough, if you've got enough data in your case studies. Absolutely. Yeah. Finding, you know, finding trends and, and seeing yeah. um, segments that maybe you and I wouldn't see because, again, we're so close to the content, right? We often, it's very, yeah. it's like anybody trying to edit their own work. You should never do that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. same thing with analysis, having that external perspective, be it a technology based one or a human one is, yeah. is critical to actually seeing what's actually there from its full potential. Yeah. Yeah. And have you seen, I mean, putting you on the spot a little bit with this, but have you seen, working with your clients, have you seen anything really exciting starting to happen that people, you know, 
maybe you can't share, but that are, are people really grasping this, or are they still just really fiddling about like the rest of us, typing stuff into ChatGPT? Or is there a people? <laughs> can you see? Can you see? I mean, I've created a whole website based on the crap that I've typed into ChatGPT. So I don't know. Have you seen anything that you think? that that really is inspiring you in in terms of content strategy where where people are using this stuff really well i haven't we haven't seen it so much on the client side because again a majority of organizations are still trying to figure out how to best use it there's many who are petrified and have you know it's foreboding you can't you can't (laughs) use it that doesn't mean their teams aren't using it but they they've not sanctioned it what I am seeing some really amazing innovation is on the technology side of things. So some of the vendors in our space are mm-hmm. doing phenomenal, phenomenal things. And they're actually leveraging it to drive their own, not only yeah. um, content strategy, but their technology strategy. So they're road mapping and how that's going. So there's some amazing things coming down the pipe. Uh, companies have, have launched some some pretty uh, exciting elements to their tech this year. And I think that's mm. just going to continue to change. But again, as in most of the cases, the technology vendors are a wee bit ahead. I say that tongue in cheek, yeah. uh, then yeah. people are ready to adopt, but it'll be there when they're ready. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that when you were saying that, and you and I have been around for a while and quite often the vendors are well ahead of the needs of the, of, of us practical marketers and what we need to get shit done every day. Right. So don't talk to me about personalization (laughs) if you can't get the basics right, because I'm still struggling with the basics, let's imagine. But I think in this case, I think the way that some of these things are being applied, it's making the marketer's job easier. It's making the user's job easier. So I think there'll be less friction in adoption of some of these newer features than we've perhaps seen in some of the other trends that have come through content marketing or content strategy or content management that we've seen come and go right or have never really been solved in the I don't know what is it two decades since we last do you think there's some value in that do you think this is going to be an actual practical the, the vendors are getting it right they're putting it in the right place and actually it will help it, it's it's not some new doohickey that we'll ignore in due course oh 100% I think this yeah. is this is absolutely one element of technology providing the organizations will enable it for their people that will create almost immediately effectiveness and efficiency. Some of the work that's being done on iterative headlines and automatic multivariant testing where they're, they're, they're able to cycle through honestly hundreds of variants (laughs) over the course of 48 hours and come up with like the top three to a, you know, higher than 80% accuracy that's working from a, from a conversion perspective. You just, I mean, that, that's just mind blowing. You think about organizations that work with agencies, they're like, yeah, we'll get you three in six weeks, like hundreds over the course of a day. So this is, this is game changing. Absolutely. Game changing. Absolutely. I've, I mean, like I say, I've been play, playing with it like we all have, and I'm I'm fascinated by it. But I, I think one of the things that where people are kind of, um, to to the point you just made, that pe- people are saying, oh, it can't possibly do this. It can't be humorous. It can't be opinionated. It can't do this. You get that prompt right, and it can do all of those things. And it, and like, mm-hmm. as I think you said near the beginning of our conversation, it's here. 
And there is no ignoring yeah. this anymore. It's here. It can do all of that. No, and it's not. And it's not going away. No, absolutely. All right. So I think that neatly moved us into a question I was going to ask you also about from that research that you've been doing and obviously all your client work. What aside from the obvious, the the apocalypse i.e. the robots taking over the world and killing us all and <laughs> and the loss of jobs this is why whenever i use chat gpt i say please because i'm just bearing that in mind that they'll maybe look favorably on me when they do run the world but what um what are the challenges you're seeing in it, it from from the research and the people you're speaking to right now around uh, around using these technologies approval is one so uh, there's a lot of organizations, as I mentioned earlier, who are so mm. caught up in dotting the I's and crossing the T's from a, a legality perspective and a CYA perspective, which I totally get. Um, they may be taking it a little overboard and a bit of a, an avoidance tactic until they kind of see what everybody else yeah. is doing. Yeah. So that's a challenge. The understanding of it being a strategy, question, question of strategy, not technology, as I mentioned, mm. But I think, too, when you, when you look at it from a maturity perspective, it, there, there's some, you know, you have to look at the perception of it. So yeah. how are people feeling about it? You have to think about the usage and applicability <laughs> yeah. um, at an early stage and yeah. then looking at how do you move that forward and whether that's going to be done on an individual basis. Is it going to be on a team basis? So again, the challenge of learning prompts, you know, there was for a nanosecond that the next big job was prompt engineer, right? (laughs) Thankfully that was a fleeting flash in the pan, Uh, but it, it takes skill. It's not just a matter of, you know, you, you say, I, you always use the word, please. I think I often do too. And I catch myself (laughs) going, Oh boy, so Canadian, Uh, but (laughs) learning, learning how to create um, and devise really because it is it, it, it takes some thought a prompt that's going to get you the result that you want takes mm. a lot of trial and error anybody who's done that mm. you know go into um, something you're trying to create an image I find that mm. one really helps fine-tune yeah. more than the text does because it's very yeah. apparent when you've got it wrong or you've missed things uh, yeah. it it you really have to be directive and purposeful yeah. so I think learning how to use the tool, um, keeping in mind that it can't do everything. So it's still on you to make sure that it is accurate. It's still on you to make sure that the quality aligns with your brand, um, yeah. both from a brand standard as well as just a you know the way you write, tone, yeah. voice, etc. And that I think one of the bigger challenges we're going to have with people once they figure out how to use it well is that we are the humans. So for marketing and content to be productive and to be successful and to achieve the goals of delivering the experiences, which is what we all trade on now that we want and knowing and delivering the, the experience with the result of the, the, the person consuming it, mm-hmm. doing the thing, feeling the thing and thinking the thing that we want them to is going to take our overlay. It is not going to yeah, be a yeah. cut and paste which yeah, is absolutely. I think the, the where everybody is going has gone wrong at least once and many companies are going wrong still um, I don't know if you've noticed but you know there's some blogs that I follow on a regular basis and I I can see where they're using uh, you know <laughs> really? a chat GPT oh because the tone changes 
that, you know, the, yeah, it, it, yeah. you just get this different, yeah. you, you don't walk away from it going, okay, that sounded like so-and-so like you're kind of like, huh? So yeah, I, I, there's, I had, um, we have to keep in mind of that. Yeah. I had a, I had a colleague send me some content. And I was like, no, you're taking this right back. This, this was chat GPT. And he's like, oh, busted. So I think, um, no, no, I completely agree with you. And I also think that the algorithms are changing because, um, I, I did an experiment the other day where I asked it to write an opinionated article about the death of MQLs in the style of Mark Ritson. And it, it wrote mm-hmm. an article and I said, no, can you write that again? And this time be profane. And it did write the article and it was profane. And I published it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, full disclosure that it was written by a robot. And then weirdly enough, a few days later, I asked it to do the same thing. And it said it can't do profanity. And, it, and so mm-hmm. obviously something had changed in terms. And so I think that's also going to be interesting for us as marketers is the inconsistency of what you're going to get in reply, because you may you may teach it a tone of voice, but it may then decide it's not going to do that anymore. Right. So and, and yep. I, I found that I found that quite fascinating. All right. So um, I just realizing I'm always realizing the time. I think that's the that's probably the phrase the listener hears the most when I'm talking to people. It's, oh, gosh, look at the time. But anyway, yes, so I want to be sensitive to your time. Just uh, as a teaser to the report, what are the primary findings that you found through the research that you, you that we should share that we could take away from what you what you discovered? And what's your advice for the teams going forward that you haven't covered already? So I I, got to reiterate uh, what I've said already a couple of times is that, (laughs) you know, this is a matter of good adoption. Um, Integrating it into what we do is a question of of strategy, not technology. So we so often think, and organizations, not, I'm not so sure it's the practitioners, I think it's more the decision makers who, who decide, yes, go ahead with the technology, is they, they think throwing a technology into the mix is going to actually cause the, uh, fix the problem, yeah. and it often just causes more, right? So yeah. there's a lot of FUD out there, fear, uncertainty, and doubt on mm-hmm. uh, how to use Gen AI, you know, the effic- how it's going to create efficiencies. Is it going to, you know, for the content practitioner, it's the fear of, is this the end of their job? And I think there are some doubts whether or not the technology is reliable. Like, can you cool. trust it to represent your brand? And so, yeah. again, it's a matter of strategy, not technology. You got to keep the humanity in it yeah. and pick a place to start. It may not be the right place. You may have to adjust, but have the strategy behind the decision and pivot to make sure it does work. But you got to start using it because it's not going anywhere and it is going to be a differentiator uh, for organizations that get their hands around it quickly. Oh, absolutely. And I also think the differentiation is going to be in the strategy and in how you educate it. If you just think that you're going to get it to write all your content, then it's the same especially in B2B, it's going to be the same shit that everybody else is doing, right? So it's not going to be a differentiator yeah. at all. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, so and, that, your report, and we talk about that. Hmm. We talk about that in the report. We give three steps yeah. on here's what you need to oh, do. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. So the report's called, Are You Ready to Get Ready for AI? I'll include a link to it on your website, you. contentadvisory.net. And when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where they, well, I've got one more question, actually. Shall we do the interwebs first? Well, yes. Um, Normally, I'm asking you about what we should chuck in the swimming pool for regular listeners. They'll know right. that's, but you and I have chatted so many times that you've probably chucked all the things you 
you don't like in How Swimful already. So slightly different tack. Um, and as I haven't got Jeff on the show this week, what tune gets your Monday morning marketing mojo working? And we'll play out with that. Uh, that has got to be What You Need uh, by In Excess uh, oh. off their... Um, yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, it's a classic. I think it was in like nineteen eighty four, eighty five that it was released, and uh, it absolutely you know you you can't wait around for me. You, you can't wait around for something to happen. You, you got stuff going on. You just you got to get into it. You just got to find what you need and push through it. And uh, nice. and what you need is going to change. But I that's one that uh, I'll crank up to. To 12 and the dogs will go crazy and it just totally gets them going that's <laughs> a bit of in excess on the show i'll play out with that and in the meantime when people want to spin the dial when people spin the dial on the interwebs where are they going to find you kathy well we've got uh contentadvisory.net is uh, mm. robert and our um tca's website i host a podcast as well unchartedjourneys.net which i would love for people to listen to i interview some amazing women about their professional journeys and just some fascinating journeys and some great advice for all not just women everybody and of course <laughs> you can find me on linkedin and, and instagram and you know all the things i no longer do the is it the x or x or whatnot i'm completely <laughs> gone from there but uh loving threads so yeah splendid Splendid. Um, yeah, I'm the same. I'm, I've switched almost completely to threads. And and also, we should have mentioned your podcast earlier because I really do enjoy it. And I should have actually uh, made a comment about why I'm never on your podcast. But I think there's a good reason why that we've discussed. So I think that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but your show is excellent. And I, I'll include a link to that also in the show notes. And uh, it's a fabulous. You have some wonderful conversations and things really inspiring women that you speak to I think that's great anyway Cathy I will not leave it as long next time to have you back on the show so thank you very much for your time and so I'll speak with you soon thank you absolutely love being here thanks again and that was a little bit of in excess of what you need from 1985 and as i shared there i will include a link to the research that we discussed and all of kathy's links in the show notes right it's that time of the week to wind down in the rockstar cmo virtual bar and join kathy's colleague the chief troublemaker at the content advisory robert rose for a cocktail and a marketing thought Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend, and welcome to the bar. And, well, it is here in the U.S. anyway. It's mm-hmm. post-Thanksgiving, yep. um, which has been a lovely week um, and a lovely break, um, as it always is, which is, you know, I mean, for those of us who 
don't partake in the Black Friday nonsense. <laughs> um, it's very relaxing. Um, and I have to imagine that for you across the pond, it's very relaxing as well because you don't have annoying Americans sort of sending you emails and those kinds of things. So it's generally a worldwide relaxation weekend. Um, and of course, my, my football team is doing very well. Yes. So all things considered, it was a great week. I was going to so. mention your football team. And I, I don't watch a lot of American football, but it seemed I watched a record-breaking game, which was amazing. So, I mean, it wasn't the whole game. I watched an hour of highlights or something like that, but it was really good. So that, for the listeners that don't know, I'm talking to you on Friday, just after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. And, and by the way, yeah. we cele- apparently we celebrate Black Friday, even though we don't have Thanksgiving. So our stores are stupid as well. So just thanks for that. <laughs> but, but also, yeah, there you go. Uh, also, yes, <laughs> the most American of traditions. <laughs> yeah. Yes, commerce, right? Yeah. You know, so yeah. So um, for the people that don't know, your um, your uh, your Dallas Cowboys played the um, Washington Commanders, which is now their changed name yes, from <laughs> uh, the the politically incorrect name Redskins. that they had before. You you um, read my mind because you knew what was on the tip of my tongue there because I I lived I lived in DC and outside DC twice and I'm like the Washington what are they now? <laughs> so thank you for that. Yes. Yes. The and well, they're in and there is some there is some discussion. I would t- I would tell you that uh, they're going to change the name yet again now that wow. there's because this year the old owner was finally forced out and they have a brand new owner uh-huh. who this coming off season may make quite a few changes, including changing the name yet again, because uh, nobody likes the name. No. Nobody likes it. Well, I just couldn't remember it. So, but I remember, <clears throat> and, um, but anyway, congratulations. It was like 50 to six or something stupid when it? So that was... <laughs> it was it was it was it was it was ridiculous. there was one there was one, i'm sorry because i know um because we were discussing this before i press record and i know that you missed some of the game which is even worse and so it's really stupid that i'm talking to you about it but there was uh, one touchdown where the guy basically threw the ball about the whole length of the pitch I'm unfamiliar with American football, so I feel embarrassed talking about it. But I was like, it looked like they could just score at will if they felt like it. It was amazing. Anyway, I am completely unqualified to talk about American football. So thank you for indulging me there. So what? um, So let's move on to the happy Thanksgiving for yesterday. Um, And um, what cocktail are we going with this week, mate? Well, the cocktail that I have is one that I have been drinking a couple of, Mm -hmm. actually. Um, (laughs) Maybe more than a couple. Um, over the break, and I, Not I bad, discovered that. Yeah, I discovered, there. <laughs> yeah, I discovered that this was a thing, um, uh-huh. and without even realizing that it was a thing, um, yes. I ended up calling it a fall martini. Um, yes. But it's actually considered a sweet martini, um, and oh. the difference is is that you know it's a classic. So by the way, I'm 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 a uh, classical or traditional guy. So martinis mm-hmm. with gin, not with uh, vodka. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a well, gin martini, so well. but instead of a dry vermouth, um, mm-hmm. I use a sweet vermouth. Okay. Uh, and specifically, uh, there's a wonderful dry, or excuse me, sweet vermouth um, called uh, uh, Antica. Uh, and it's an Italian sweet vermouth. And it's lovely because it's, it's you know, it's vanilla and spicy and wonderful sweetness to it kind of a bitter orange almost and so it's kind of like when you put those two things together it's a little bit like a negroni but it's not really a negroni Uh, um and all of that uh 
and basically it's it's a it's a lovely martini. It's a lovely, lovely yeah. martini. I'm not and the sweet vermouth, is that a clear liqueur or is that no, it's a, it's basically just a sweet vermouth, um, and so it's oh. it, it when it comes out of the bottle, it's mm. got a very almost uh, ruby red or uh, ah, okay. a very dark yeah. color, which when you mix it with the mm. gin, of course, makes a very yes. nice fall like uh, auburn yes. color, um, and yes. so it's it's beautiful um, as a, as a drink, as it goes, but, and then it's, you know, so you're not putting any bitters in it. So you're not actually making it a Negroni, nor are you mm. putting orange in it to make a Negroni, but mm. you're actually just mm. having it like a, a regular, uh, nice. you know, with a couple of olives if you want or whatever yeah. you want in your martini, but it's a sweet martini. So it's in that, in mm. that sense, it's, it's not, it doesn't taste very much like a traditional martini, but it's really quite lovely. I can imagine, and very um, of the season, I think. And and I was going to wonder whether you put olives into a sweet martini, so that sounds interesting. We'll need to try that. So we're drinking these lovely full martinis, or sweet martinis, and where are we drinking these then, Robert? We are drinking these, well, you know, I figure we have to go to, uh, we. well, we should really go to Italy mm-hmm. for this, um, right. because any chance to go to Italy you know really <laughs> you're um, in <laughs> but but um it felt like you know as i was pouring in the sweet vermouth it felt like we should be you know because mm. the 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 bottle uh, of the antica formula which is the name of the sweet vermouth um from italy yes. it's yes. it looks like it comes right out of tuscany right i mean it's just absolutely you know the the bottle is beautiful yeah. and it's in and all of that and it, it inspired me to say oh mm. we should probably be up in mm. yeah, up in tuscany somewhere I love it. Yeah. So we're transporting the virtual bar to Tuscany in Italy. And when we're chatting and uh, oh, uh, in this beautiful uh, landscape in Tuscany um, and the conversation turns to marketing, what are we talking about this week? Well, here's 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 a thought. And so, I mean, it's, yes. it's been, you know, and I know this show you're you're talking a lot about A.I. Um, <laughs> yes. And it's been a hell of a week for A.I., um, yes. you know, quite the drama <laughs> with OpenAI and ChatGPT and yes. Sam Altman. And yeah. we don't need to rehash all of that because I'm sure it's been rehashed a million times. Yeah. And by the time we go to air with this, it may change <laughs> 14 times again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we're airing this like with literally within hours because I'm going to do this tomorrow. We're recording this late on Friday. But like you say, anything could happen in the next sure, 10 minutes. That's exactly yeah. right. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is exactly right. And so here's yeah. the when we when we when we think about uh, AI and now all of the things that you can do, mm. you know, it was literally as we go to uh, as we go to record this and you go to air this mm-hmm. um, a year mm. ago. I mean, we were we're talking exactly yeah. a year ago when we were when we were talking about the eruption and disruption that uh, generative AI was going to bring to everybody. And the interesting mm. thing is. As we go to break, as we have holidays, as we have, you know, sort of time to sort of take a step back and think, I think one of the things that we can do is learn from, uh, there's a wonderful sort of framework for self-reflection. And it's a really interesting exercise that I've done over the last couple of weeks um, to really help me understand like where we are in the sort of life cycle or hype cycle of, of generative AI for or businesses. And so the framework comes from actually from nursing. 
Um, and it's basically three questions, which is what happened, so what, <laughs> and now what? <laughs> and yeah. when we think about that for a moment, we the, the immediate reaction that we typically have when something that disruptive like generative AI happens is now we jump right to now what, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, we jump right to trying to predict the future. Mm -hmm. And this is the classic hot take, right? In other words, we jump right to what's coming next based yeah. on what we know. And we don't ever ask the question, so what? That middle question, which is the probably the most important of all of them. And you can see it happening, right? Because like, for example, there was an article uh, about the disruption of generative AI in the video game industry mm -hmm. just recently. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes the case, for example, and this is basically a, a, you know, one of the millions of studies that have come <laughs> out over the last few months saying, hey, by the way, generative AI is going to change things, right? It's going to disrupt marketing. It's going to disrupt everything. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, yep, don't know how, but yep, <laughs> it's going to disrupt it. And so the case that it makes in this article is that, you know, and what Bain and company said in their research was that, quote unquote, more than half of video game development will be supported by generative AI within the next five to mm. 10 years. And it basically uses the what happened to make a case for the future. In other words, the author didn't even bother to ask, yeah. so what? Because if you really ask, so what? It's like, is that yeah. surprising that, you know, that video game development will be supported by generative AI within the next five to 10? No, it's not surprising at all. And in fact, it's probably already yeah. true. The question is, so what? What, mm -hmm. what does that mean? And basically, they used it to make the case that game developers' days are doomed, <laughs> right? That, you know, everybody's doomed and the future of game developers is all going to be in robots and all that kind of stuff. And of course, that's not the case at all. And in fact, if you go read the research that Bain and company produced, it says the exact mm -hmm. opposite. It basically says that all the executives that they interviewed, where this statistic comes from, said, yes, video game development will be supported by AI, but... It doesn't mean that we're going to devalue human creativity. That doesn't mean it just means we're hoping to get yeah, faster yeah, yeah. when it comes to creating the derivative things that we have to create. So it, it is this three step process and the three steps are really important as we start thinking through what is it? How is it going to change mm -hmm. us? How are we going to be changed by whatever happened? And so the key is you ask mm -hmm. what happened and you literally just uh, you know, unemotionally state the facts. Here's yeah. what happened. And then you say, okay, so what? You know, what What does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with my life? What does it have to do with my team's life? What are, you know, what are the implications of those yeah. facts, the things yeah. that happen? And based on those implications, now we can ask ourselves, okay, well, now what? Now how do I react yeah. to that? Not trying to predict the future, but basically asking ourselves, how will I react to all of this? So what? So that I can change to start to match what it is that's you know really happening in the world. And I think by taking a step back, we can all learn from what's going on right now with everything that's going on, including the last week's drama, <laughs> yeah. and be much better off for a 2024 that'll be productive. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I love the... Because I was thinking of 
I mean, AI is the hot topic of right now, obviously. And I think this is your point, is that this is a model that you can use for anything that's happening in, in your particular company or industry or, you know, when because often we, as marketers, we get very reactive, don't we? Somebody comes into the office and says, there's a new channel, there's Snapface, there's ChatGPT, there's WhatsApp, whatever it is, and you've got to get straight on it. And it's like, whoa, let's chill out for a minute. What happened? I like that. I like that. And yeah, it, that's exactly yeah, it. That's yeah, exactly yeah. it. And um, so, so what's your view? I mean, you've used that example there of the the games industry, which I think is is really interesting because that's an incredible that they use a lot of creatives, and a lot of the focus right now is on how generative AI is going to reduce the the need for creatives, but. Games take years to create, right? There is a huge amount of human creative that goes into producing these games. What What was your view from that particular instance? Did you, just that this AI is just going to make that process more efficient? Or what did you think? Well, in, in that particular case, yeah. I mean, I did read the research yeah. for that particular, you know, that for that particular set of research. Yeah. And, and it was some of the more interesting research, actually. I mean, it was highly qualitative because what they did was they interviewed uh, video game company executives. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like truly, you know, uh, quantitative. Mm-hmm. It was much more qualitative, um, even though they kind of presented as sort of quali- uh, quantitative. Yeah. But basically w- what they were saying was everybody, the executives really believe that the game development process will be fundamentally changed mm-hmm. by AI, but the parts that they find that are going to be uh, fundamentally changed are the speed in things like rendering, mm-hmm. right? So right now it, it takes uh, it takes a lot to render a particular you know scene mm-hmm. or scenes in a video game, uh, etc. And, and basically uh, the you know, the, the, the real effort mm-hmm. is going to be, or the real gains and savings will really be in the, you know, how much fewer hours are spent right. waiting right. for things to actually happen right. rather than the creativity. Right. And so they're, they're saying the game development process will be supported, yeah. but not script writing, not artistic, not, you know, those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I think, and that sounds like a lesson for all content production, doesn't it? I mean, that's what we've been talking about recently when you and I have chatted about this stuff is it's going to be much, you know, the human part is going to be much more about the story, the strategy and what it is we want the robots to go do and write, right? Rather than that they're going to replace any of that creativity and opinion that we create, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fabulous. And we were just chatting. Um, I know that I recorded these sections separately. So your colleague Kathy was on the show just a moment ago, and you guys did some research into AI as well, haven't you? So you've get, you're getting that insight. Not, I mean, it's you were reading the Baines and Company research, but you're doing that work too, aren't you? Around marketers about what it is that marketers are using for and what we're looking for. So you're deep yeah. into this, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, we are. We are. Well, you know, I would say. I mean, yeah, we're one of the. <laughs> we're 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 one of the many, 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 many consulting firms out there that have done some research in this, as you've probably heard about. Yeah. Um, and uh, on this show. Yeah. And um, yeah, we are. You know, as as we've been saying to our clients, this is a generative AI is a content strategy yeah. challenge, not a technology challenge, yeah. right? It, it, it is all about how do you understand how you're creating, you know, yeah. 
as as I've been saying forever, yeah. and this will resonate with you, I know, as a as a content management person, yeah. um, which is that we have conflated the idea of you know when you think about content creation in business, mm. we look at create as a workflow state, yes. and it's not. Create is an entire process. There are many workflow states within the creation process, yeah. and what. But most businesses don't see that, yeah. right? They don't, they don't see it that way. They say creation is just some magic black box mm. that people do stuff and good stuff comes out the <laughs> other side. And I don't know how the sausage gets made. And, yeah. and we have to map that out if we ever hope to generative AI is going to actually produce more efficient, yeah. more effective, or more profitable yeah. results. Uh, I love that. All right. So um, where can one find creative that has not been created by robots, but was completely handcrafted and is spot on with a content strategy? Where might they find that, Robert? <laughs> they can find it at our website, which is uh, humming right yeah. along and our little, little design at contentadvisory.net. Yes. Or, of course, I have mm. a book out at the moment. Um, it's called Content Marketing Strategy. And we have our coaching as well as some access to free resources and all that kind of stuff up there uh, at contentmarketingstrategy.com. Yeah, I was looking at that. It's a real companion to the book, isn't it? That what you've done there. I'd like to think so. Yeah. Resources. Yeah. yeah. No, it's splendid. It's splendid. So, and of course, I'll include the links to both of those in the show notes. And when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you, Robert? They will find me on threads uh, where I am mm. at Robert Rose and would love to connect yes. with people on threads, which I am. I have now officially deleted my account off of Twitter. Oh, so you won't find me on Twitter anymore or X or whatever the hell it's called. Um, and yeah. LinkedIn. I am, you know, I'm there. Well, fun. All right, mate. So, and most important to me, will you be in the bar next week? I will indeed. I look forward to it. Give up at words to live by there. What happened? So what? And now what? Love that. So that's a wrap on episode 193 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks to Kathy and Robert for sharing their insights and to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. You can find links to me, Kathy, and Robert and their work in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com along with our blog, newsletter and all of our previous episodes. Please say hello to them, drop us a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, I think we'll be taking a break from AI as Jeff will be back in the marketing studio and we plan to be chatting about case studies. And as you heard, Robert will be back in the bar and no doubt I will continue with my American football education. Until then, have a great week. And I hope you again join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.